Do you want to set your child up for success? Is tutoring out of your budget, or perhaps you're someone like me who just wants to save money on private tutoring? Is this a big school year for your child? You know, maybe they're starting kindergarten or middle school. Maybe there's another milestone coming up. Or maybe your family moved. Oh my gosh, I moved so much when I was growing up. And the kids are starting a new school. Or maybe your child is ahead and just not getting challenged enough in class. Well, IXL Learning is here to help. IXL Learning is a fun online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. That's right. It is school approved. So make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And how to be fine listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash fine. Visit IXL.com slash fine to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Again, that's IXL.com slash fine. Hear that? It's the call of the crave. And when the crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 bacon bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the bacon cheese slider, 1921 bacon cheese slider, or chicken bacon ranch slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 bacon bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Hey, by the book listeners, Kristen here. Did you know that you can receive a weekly by the book affirmation mini-sode plus the rules of every book that we've lived by? It's easy. All you have to do is become a member of our Patreon community. To learn more, go to patreon.com slash listen to buy the book. Again, that's patreon.com slash listen to buy the book, or just look at the episode description from today's show. The following podcast contains barnyard language and some adult content. So, maybe listen on headphones if you're at work or around small children. Now, here's the show. Hey, Jolenta. Yes, Kristen. It has been one week since we lived by Think and Grow Rich, and you know what that means. Well, I think it's time for another By the Book mini-episode. That's right. It's time for another By the Book epilogue. And this week, we're looking at the aftermath of Living By, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. But first, you guys, we have some tapings coming up specifically for our husbands and our Ask Us Anything episodes. So if you have any questions for us or for Brad or Dean or Frank, Hit us up. Questions can be about anything, not just the show. We love to answer questions about all sorts of topics. You can hit us up at kristenangelenta at gmail.com. Again, kristenangelenta at gmail.com. Email us. And now, let's get this Think and Grow Rich mini underway. 
starting with some listeners who have actually read the book. There are quite a few of you. Yes. Leah wrote in to say, maybe it's because my family immigrated from a country with a great deal of corruption, bribery, government-mandated torture, and no chance of ever getting ahead. But this book spoke to me as a first-generation American. In America, many of us really can get ahead through hard work and tenacity in a way we wouldn't be able to back home. Many of us can and do lean on our communities, or masterminds as the book calls them, to learn the ins and outs of our new culture and find inroads to work, education, housing, and money. And for many of us, our dreams and imaginations are what keep us going while we struggle through the toughest moments of living in a new land. Mm. I have to point out, Leah, you're not the only person Mm. with your background who wrote uh, saying that the book spoke to them and their experience. And, you know, it's true. In a lot of other countries, if any money you make actually has to go to a bribe later if a family member is being taken off to a prison camp for God knows what reason. If you're dealing with all of those things, Think and Grow Rich would not work in that setting no matter what. No book would work in that setting. And most books, I'm presuming, including Think and Grow Rich, will work better when you're not living in constant fear of being unlawfully imprisoned or tortured or whatnot. Yeah, books about the American dream tend to work best in America. Chris had this to say, One thing you didn't mention in your episode is that Think and Grow Rich was written right after the Great Depression and has never been updated. Thus, many of the examples and advice given in the book are terribly outdated. For example, Hill points to the radio industry as a, quote, burgeoning source of employment opportunities based (laughs) on the, quote, emerging technologies projected promise as a communication medium for the masses. That being said, I did find the book's theoretical approaches valuable, specifically training the mind to achieve one's purpose, whether that purpose is the accumulation of wealth or something altogether different. Yeah, this book has good nuggets. Yeah, and outdated ones. Both of those things. Right, right, exactly. (laughs) Although I just assumed he was talking about the podcast industry when he was talking about radio, and I would say totally right. Yeah, he he really (laughs) saw far into the future. He saw, I don't know, 90 years into the future. There's going to be a sort of digital radio on demand. Yes. There are going to be these computers that you hold in your pocket that you can listen to. Uh, The things we've learned and done since then. (laughs) Let's move on. H wrote in to say, I read this book, and while it's important to have goals, simply driving towards them without regard to any signals in the environment is foolhardy at best and disastrous at worst. The current environment is very volatile and not built on wishes and dreams. I think we'd all be better off reading valid financial and economic information instead. Mm, Isn't that true of a lot of self-help? I think about that. Right. It's like, use your imagination. I'm like, my imagination will not help me navigate the stock market. Like, Yeah, I mean, with a lot of things, a lot of things, it's like, maybe read like a solid history book or a medical journal or, you know, whatever the situation is, like how to build a home rather than dream about home building, like read a book that's actually about the thing you need help with. Right. Instead of the like theorizing about the thing. Yes, yes. And um, just one step forward wrote on Instagram, LOL, I remember reading this book. I read it. I thought it. I did not grow rich. Oh, man. (laughs) It's so hard. It must have been a weakness in your thoughts, though, right? Clearly, just one step forward 
was really programming their mind for only one step back because if they programmed their mind right, they would have gone forward. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're joking, of course. Moving on, some of you wrote in to say you were basically taught a version of the book's worldview growing up that, like, anyone can be rich if they want it bad enough and just work hard enough. And there was a lot of discussion around this subject. Yes. Karen wrote in to say, this is 100% the message I was brought up with. Hard work will be rewarded and anyone can be whatever they want if they're willing to work their way up to it. Best to be God-fearing, too. Mm. There were inspirational tales of hotel porters who worked up to CEOs and cautionary tales of promising young people who got hooked on an indolent life of drugs and extramarital sex and are now homeless. And this was actually reflected in both sides of our family story, so it was easy to believe. All came from immigrants in the mid-1800s and started out in working-class jobs, some quite poor, and look at us now, living a very comfortable suburban life. The idea that a lot of luck was involved or that this upward Mm. mobility wasn't shared by everyone was never really brought up. But it would have been dismissed, I think, had it been brought up. Yeah, I can totally relate to this. This is very much the story my dad tells himself, like, you know— born into a working class family, like second generation or whatever, and like just worked hard enough and like earned it all. And it's like, but also you're white, you're male. You did go to a private school, even though your mom, <laughs> even though your mom worked there as a teacher, like you went to college, you went to graduate school. You're straight. <laughs> you had a lot of legs up. Yeah. It happened with hard work and legs up and like the legs up are never usually acknowledged. That makes bad family lore, you know, like and we just kept getting lucky because we're white, like is way less cute than like we worked super <laughs> hard and deserved it. I just believed in myself. Mm-hmm. And anytime I thought I was going to give up, I told myself, you're not a quitter. Our family, we're not quitters. Like, yeah, it's good family lore, but like probably should be taken with a grain of salt. Uh, Lindsay wrote in to say, I was raised with this worldview. My dad grew up in poverty, but my mom was a socialite. So they both brought their money baggage to the table in different ways. Every decision about money was made pragmatically in our household. We lived very frugally while my parents invested heavily in their retirements and my college fund. Due to their guidance, I chose my college major for its high salary with a bachelor's degree, engineering. I've bought a house that was well below what any rule of thumb says I can afford and drive a practical old car. Lindsay, I just want to spend some time around your dinner table because... A dad who grows up in poverty and a mom who was a socialite? Whoa. What fun, juicy baggage. Yes. (laughs) I mean, I think it's really interesting that the two ended up together. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, it kind of reminds me of those screwball, like, 1930s and 40s Hollywood comedies. It's like, oh, I couldn't help it. I just fell in love with the newspaper man, so I left my billionaire heiress life. (laughs) It's very philadelphia story yes it's a lot of those it's uh it happened one night bringing a baby yes all of those i'm only quoting katherine hepburn ones but (laughs) yes there are others yes and um it's so wacky because nobody ever agrees on anything but i imagine it's different when you're growing up in it lindsay so yeah (laughs) right it's probably not like a screwball like black and white comedy with cary grant (laughs) yeah i love that cary grant though Uh, who doesn't All right, moving on, more money talk. Some of you weren't really thinking about money at all growing up. Yeah. Angela says, 
My family didn't talk much about money at all and seldom about specifics. They were working class Catholic socialists, so we were more likely to be aware of the fairness or lack of fairness of our society. What that means for me is that I don't care about money at all. I don't even know how much I get paid. I just spend less than I earn. And if my financial situation were to get bad, I would just spend less again. I'm also very aware of the privilege of this position. My husband earns well, and we don't struggle for money. Angela, I'm so glad you include that last sentence in there because, at least in the U.S., uh, over 90% of Americans don't have the privilege to think, oh, I don't know how much I make. If I make less, I'll just spend less. Most Americans are in debt because they can't afford to spend less because that car payment or groceries aren't going to pay for themselves, right? A lot of us were raised to just get ourselves into debt right away. Yeah, but some of us have no choice but to be in debt. I was going to say, and a lot of us had no choice. Like if you needed a car, you had to get a loan. Yeah, unfortunately, that's the case for many, many Americans. They can't just go to college without taking out a loan. Right, exactly. They can't just buy a house or a lot of other things without taking out a loan. And I can say in my life, there were times where my paycheck was a dollar shorter than I expected and I freaked out. Oh, for sure. Yeah, where that dollar did make a difference that week because that was my bus. Fair. My rides depended on that. My like bagels depended on that. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Do you remember going for last night's bagels? Oh, uh, yes. You would get the leftover bagels that were half priced, and it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah, you can get like a 50 cent bagel. Yes. Man, that dollar could get you two meals with those bagels. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's like breakfast for almost a week. <laughs> eh, two days. <laughs> Sarah also was brought up not thinking much about money. She mm. says, money is obviously important to an extent, but beyond having enough to live comfortably, what's the point? I grew up very comfortably middle class, but I think it was always clear that it was a mix of my parents being lucky, white, educated, which relates to the first two, and my mom receiving a good inheritance from a relative, which gave her an opportunity she wouldn't have had otherwise. I really like this approach, Sarah. Because your upbringing wasn't so focused on, like, money and the amount in particular, but clearly focused on, like, the social structures in place that, like, let your family get to where they are. And, like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I also think that you are in the same boat as a lot of us where it's like, do I want to be like Jeff Bezos? Do I want to be filthy rich? No, but I really want to be comfortable. Right. I want to go to the grocery store and not agonize over do I afford this generic spaghetti sauce or can I actually afford this one that I really like that's, you know, a dollar more, which for much of my life has been the case. So, it, right. you know, but to be comfortable enough to not have to think about can I afford the spaghetti sauce I really like instead of the generic kind? Yeah. It's a beautiful goal. It's nice to be comfortable. But do I need a private jet? No, I don't need a private jet. No PJs. They're so hard to park in Brooklyn. They are so bad for the environment. No spaces in Brooklyn. Yeah, so hard to park here. Alternate side street parking. For the private jet? For the jet. Terrible. Oh, you're always having to repark it somewhere. Oh my God, the staff is out there doing it all day and night. I'm like, Jeeves, when are you going to be back? And he's still like trying to park the jet. Ugh, it's the worst. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Let's move on, uh, because <laughs> most of you wrote in to say you will probably never read this book, if we're being honest. Lindsay said, I think what the host said about Unfuck Yourself can be applied to this book as well. It's for people born on third base, like I was. Successful people overwhelmingly have an internal locus of control. 
I acknowledge the gift that was a debt-free college education and a home with good financial advice, while also giving myself credit for the hard work and good decisions I've made along the way. I know many people who had richer parents, were given more, and have a higher salary than me, but have not achieved my level of wealth, and I do think there is a mentality and locus of control aspect to that. Systems of oppression and cyclical poverty are very real. We are living in a time with the highest gaps in wealth and very little economic mobility. No mindset is going to change someone stepping up to the plate in the batter's box, but a mindset change could help someone on third base, like me. I like it. Makes perfect sense. Thank you, Lindsay. Yeah, thank you so much, Lindsay. Absolutely. I think that's a great summation of things. Right, exactly. And with that, we're going to take a quick little break. But stick around because when we come back, we're going to hear feedback you had about how we lived by the book. And you know, we love hearing your thoughts. Hi, I'm Ariana Maddox. Whether I'm on TV or Broadway, I live by two rules. Follow your dreams and always wear great shoes. That's why I love DSW. Must have shoes that pair well with whatever you've dreamed up for your life. Seriously, DSW has all the shoes you need for everything from errand days to date nights. And they're from top brands at prices you can totally brag to all your friends about. That's why I've partnered with DSW to create a collection of shoes I know you'll love. Because let's be real, whether I'm dancing on TV, teaching you how to make the perfect cocktail in my best-selling book or starting a whole new venture. It's all about the shoes. Find the shoes to do all the amazing things you do in my new collection at your DSW store or DSW.com. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. are back with listener comments about Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And now, some more specific feedback, Jolenta, for you and me. Mm -hmm. uh, let's begin with a letter that is for both of us from Diane. Diane says, I doubt the verdict would have been any different, but I'm not sure this was a good book for you two to do in the two-week format. That being said, I enjoyed the episode as usual. I wondered about that when I was setting my um, $500,000 goal. <laughs> I was like, is this a little wild for two weeks? And I was like... No, but Diane, <laughs> you're making me wonder if that little question I asked during the time we lived by that book could have been thought about more. Well, Jolenta, I, I do have to remind listeners, we live by the books minimum two months ahead of time before the listeners hear the episode, because we're always ahead of schedule, because, mm -hmm. you know, we like to have shows in the can. We, we don't ever like to be scrambling in case one of us gets sick or whatnot. So it has now been over two and a half months since we lived by that book, are you closer to that half a million dollars, Jolenta? 
I mean, maybe. <laughs> but, like, not substantially close. Like, closer in that, like, yes, I have, like, made a few paychecks since then. And uh, they have been deposited. But, like, <laughs> there hasn't been any, like, windfall or anything. But maybe it's a slow and steady game. And I'm just, like, not having enough vision. Yeah. Like, maybe 200 years from now, you'll have that half a million dollars, Jolenta. Well, yeah. At the rate I'm going, probably <laughs> two to 300 years. <laughs> Let's get to some letters um, specifically for each of us now, Jolenta. Yes. We're going to start off by reading letters for you. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Tabby says, I love how Jolenta just does not pass up an opportunity to inject this show with her comedy. Reading her list out loud in bed while her husband was trying to sleep was a great idea and had me laughing while listening. It's always fun to do bedtime stuff with someone in the bed with you. Just to see how they react. You never know. Sometimes they might be like, what are you doing? I want in. Other times they might be like, stop it. I have to sleep. But yeah, you're guaranteed like a fun reaction if you're doing it in bed with someone. So of course I'm going to like roll the roll the tape and, and try it out a few times. <laughs> and Brad loved it. No, he didn't. Sorry, Brad. And we also got this note from the Milkmaker05, Jolenta. I saw your vision board on Instagram and loved it. It's been over a decade since I made a vision board back in college. By a lot of definitions, I'm now, in fact, rich. But the effect the vision board had on my wealth is still unknown. Jolenta, what do you have to say about that? What do you think? I mean, this just reiterates what Diane was saying, that, like, I should be thinking about the long game. I shouldn't <laughs> be discounting this VB, my vision board. I shouldn't be saying I don't have my riches. And, like, perhaps I just need to wait uh, a decade or so, like the milkmaker says. And like, maybe I'll look back and be like, oh my gosh, everything on that vision board is happening. I called it all. <laughs> all right. And Quinn says, Jolenta, I really appreciated you sharing the story of your chronic illness journey. I'm curious, although please don't feel the need to respond to this if you're not comfortable doing so. Do you identify as disabled? It sounds like you have been connecting more with the disability community and with disability activists. Over the course of the past year, I have been working on accepting the reality that I am disabled and getting myself accommodations and using mobility aids. I'm still working on unpacking a lot of the shame I have there. I keep having the thought that I'm not disabled enough to justify these supports, even though I would never say that to anyone else. Have you struggled with this kind of thinking? Well, Quinn, lucky for you, I'll talk about anything. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've definitely started, I guess, identifying as disabled. It, it started randomly when my mom said something about like her disabled daughter, and I was like, what the fuck? And I was like, oh, wait, I do use a cane. Being immunocompromised or immunosuppressed is usually covered under the uh, ADA, that's a disability. I'm, like, disabled. And it did take me a minute. It still takes me a minute to be, like, yeah, that's who I am. And, like, I need accommodations. And, like, sometimes I definitely worry that I'm not, like, disabled enough. I'm, like, I just have a disabled, like, immune system that, like, sort of made it so I limp right now. Like, that's not, like, a full disability. But, like, it's really inhibiting my life. It's covered by the ADA. So, like... You have the right to ask for the things you need, whether it's, you know, help with mobility, 
or a need to work remotely because you have no immune system. But it's a it's a struggle. And it sucks that like being disabled, like the burdens on you to like make sure accommodations are made and like sort of force your way in uh, sometimes. And it's a struggle. But like, I have found aligning myself with disability activists while sort of realizing I'm disabled has really helped the process. There's a community, there's a vocabulary around it, like there are ways to sort of feel not alone while fighting for like individual rights to be met. I hope that helps, Quinn. Thank you for being so forthright, Jolenta. Thank you. Now, Kristen, let's talk about you, shall we? Sure. Because we had some feedback for you as well. Tabby wrote in uh, to say this. I don't think Hill would approve of how you live by this book, Kristen, but that's probably a good thing. These books are always so self-centered and never really discuss how to uplift and help others, like the idea for the abortion help fund. Oh, thank you so much. And yes, I totally agree with you, Tabby. Yeah. (laughs) Almost every self-help book we live by is navel-gazy. It's all about ourselves. It's about how our thoughts become things. It's not about giving back or maybe the reason I'm unhappy in this world is not because of my thoughts, but because the world is unfair and how can I make the world a little bit more fair and now it's going to be better for everyone. Most books don't do that. No. At least not the dozens and dozens and dozens of <laughs> books that you and I have lived by, Joel and Den. They're very individualistic. Yeah, we've lived by a lot of books. And yeah, there's a lot of self-centeredness in these books. Yeah, so it's always fun to just sort of give the book a little fuck you and be like, I'm using your self-centeredness to help others. I'm centering it on not the self. <laughs> Ms. Osterman wrote in on Instagram to say, when you posted on Instagram that you finally received proof of over $5,000 in donations from your followers to various abortion resources and then matched those receipts, you literally made me cry. You are the best. Oh, Miss Osterman, thank you. She is the best. She's being subversive with the book and fucking donating money. I cried too. I cried a lot. I was really, really grateful for everyone. This was definitely not something I did on my own. I did it with lots of other people. So uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Again, thank you for people who, you know, couldn't send money, but just were cheering and sending support. Not all of us have money to donate to things we care deeply about, but we can offer um, emotional support. We can offer psychological support and so on to others and volunteer and do other things. But yeah, not all of us have money to give all the time. So just having you cheer is a great thing. I'll take it. It's true. Yeah. And Kristen, you are making people cry all over the place because Quinn wrote in to say, Kristen, your prayer made me tear up. I'm no longer religious and sometimes struggle to find ways to practice rituals that feel familiar to me like prayer while still being in line with my new beliefs and values. I'd never considered praying to other people, but it's really powerful. Thanks, Quinn. I can't really take credit for that idea. I wish I could remember which self-help book we lived by, Jolenta, we've lived by so many over the years, that suggested doing that. Maybe saying a prayer to somebody you admire or somebody who loved you. Talk to somebody who meant something to you. And so I first did this by, you know, kind of thinking about my Nana. And if any listener remembers that episode, let us know. I don't remember which episode it was. But I first did it, yeah, to my Nana. And uh, this time around... It was, yeah, to to something bigger, to all the people out there who maybe have been forced to give birth against their will. And that is a lot of freaking people. Yeah, for real. It's millions and millions of people. 
probably most of human history, honestly, right? Ugh. Guys, we can do better. We can. And we will. And while we think about how we're going to do better, let's take another quick break. But when we come back, we're going to hear some of the fun ways you guys have used your creativity to make money. And, of course, we will announce next week's book. Hi, I'm Ariana Maddox. Whether I'm on TV or Broadway, I live by two rules. Follow your dreams and always wear great shoes. That's why I love DSW. Must-have shoes that pair well with whatever you've dreamed up for your life. Seriously, DSW has all the shoes you need for everything, from errand days to date nights. And they're from top brands at prices you can totally brag to all your friends about. That's why I've partnered with DSW to create a collection of shoes I know you'll love. Because, let's be real, whether I'm dancing on TV, teaching you how to make the perfect cocktail in my best-selling book or starting a whole new venture. It's all about the shoes. Find the shoes to do all the amazing things you do in my new collection at your DSW store or DSW.com. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. All right, we are back, and now... Let's hear from the folks out there who, like Mr. Napoleon Hill, are finding creative ways to make money. They're using their imaginations. Yes. Liz says, we made some easy cash renting household items to a company that used them in the background of a TV commercial for smartphones. Liz, I want in on the ground floor of this racket. What, you're like a mini prop house? I love this. Like, I have items in my house. She has lots of Christmas tree stuff. So many. There's some in the background right now of this Zoom screen. I see a Christmas tree currently, and it is September. Yes, 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 yes. Only 90 days left until Christmas as of today's taping. Just a heads up. Wow, wow, wow. We haven't even hit Halloween. Give me that. (laughs) (laughs) We have this fight every year. Let's move on. Yes, we do. (laughs) Uh, Sarah wrote in to say, I was a living statue. I bought a cheap, flowy gray dress at a thrift store, painted myself gray, and handed out tissue paper flowers at the park. Wow. Hold on. Are you friends with Amanda Palmer? Because didn't she do that in her book? Oh, my gosh. I hope Sarah did it first. Yeah, Sarah, I bet you did. (laughs) That is so great. I love the creativity and just the, like, confidence to be like, I can be a living statue. I would never be able to do that. No, you know why I wouldn't be able to do it? It's not the standing still part. It's the fact that I'm a face toucher. So that makeup would come off so fast. Yeah, I would always need to, like, itch my nose and shit. Yeah, it's like that allergy nose I have all the time. It's always itchy. My eyes. You have like little tear stains. Yeah, yeah. Like I can't even wear very much makeup because like in five minutes after putting makeup on, I just smear it all over my face because of my face touching. It's terrible. We love a touched face over here by the book. (laughs) (laughs) But Sarah, Sarah is clearly not a face toucher. No. And Ross wrote in to say, I made a web-based superhero game that did pretty well as an indie project for a few years. And... 
Ross, why did you not share a link to this game? That's incredible. Oh, my God. You, you kind of like nonchalantly just like, oh, yeah, by the way, I designed a video game. You know. Oh, you know, I made some video game that was like, did okay on the internet. Yeah. Like, the internet's a big wide place for things to do okay on it. Like, that's a big deal. Yeah. We, we need to know what that video game is and to play that video game. Yeah. So, Ross, <laughs> let us know. Yeah. And thank you to Ross and everyone who wrote in this week. We love, love, love hearing from you. A reminder, you can always share your thoughts, your stories, your experiences with us on our private Facebook community. It is super fun, super supportive, lots of interesting things being discussed. It's at facebook.com slash groups slash BTB pod. And now, Jolenta, it is the time when we announce next week's book. Our next book is Breath, The New Science of a Lost Art by James Nestor. Now, isn't it a found art if there's a book about it? Can we use old science to breed this new art? Is this book all about one single breath? Oh, listen to find out. And that's it for this mini episode of By the Book. Huge thank you to our production team at Stitcher. They're awesome. Corinne Wallace and Marcus Hamm. And thanks to Nate Wida. He composed our theme song. And thank you to the Rizzos. They performed our theme song. Please stay in touch. Let us know if you have read Think and Grow Rich. Let us know if you are rich. Let us know if you thought about being rich before you became rich or if you were born rich and then thought about something else and what that other thing was. You can write to us at kristinandjolenta at gmail.com. You can tweet us at ByTheBookPod and also hit us up on Instagram at ByTheBookPod. And don't forget to rate us and review us wherever you're listening right this second. Look down. There's always a place to hit a five star, maybe write a little thing about like show is fun. It helps people find the show. Another thing that helps people find the show is just telling a friend about the show. So rate us, review us, tell a friend, spread the by the book word because we love more listeners to give us more things to talk about on the mini episode. (laughs) Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Jalanta Greenberg. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are.